five seconds. Clap. Okay. Hey, we got it in one. Hell yeah. We're so good at this. Professional audio recording Absolute. artists. We're, we're just, uh, Absolute you know, the slay. best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Santa mode. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Should we, um, do we want to, like, start the, uh, the little episode? Uh, yeah, just so we can get this movie out of the way so we never have to think about <laughs> Agent Cody Banks 2 again. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we are CIA agents. But also children and evidently not paid, which is shockingly exploitative. And also their parents don't know. And yeah. Ethically terrible. You know, I'm I'm all for kids having more autonomy and stuff like that. You know, maybe I think not with the, the CIA though. But yeah, definitely not with the CIA. I mean, like it's not the least ethical thing the CIA has ever done. It's it's eh. <laughs> employing it's not child great. employing an army of child soldiers as spies. <laughs> Is it's, pretty high on the list of unethical things the CIA has done. It's up if there we accept for sure. this movie as fact. And it, I, as far as I can tell, it is. Um. Okay. So yeah, the movie opens at Camp Woody. Yep, a camp that has appropriated things from two geographically distinct indigenous <laughs> cultures. <laughs> My. My first thought when they revealed the name was that Camp Woody sounds a little bit like a drag king name. Yeah, a little bit. Like 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 twenty five percent. Yeah, like almost a, a, there. a drag king who does like a bunch of like uh, summer camp themed outfits and stuff like that, or who's just you know very camp. Yeah, I mean that's just drag kings in general, though. Yeah, yeah, it's Camp Woody. Oh, don't mind him. That's Camp Woody. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, thinking about other drag king names that just stand out to me, um, Fred Rococo. So yeah, I guess Camp Woody would, he needs a surname in that case, though. I feel Uh, like, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, like Woody Hardsmith or something like that. Yeah. Otherwise known as Camp Woody. Yeah, we can workshop it a little bit after this. Camp Woody Banks. (laughs) Two. Camp Woody Banks 2. Okay, yep, there we go. There's the drag... If, if, if you ever want to become a drag king, 
you've got a free name that you can use, courtesy of Unsound Theories. Yep. Please do not credit us. Um. <laughs> uh, so he's at this secret CIA spy camp, which he almost assured his parents almost assuredly had to pay for, which means they're paying the CIA to turn their kid into a child soldier. Yeah, and there's at this camp, there's kids as young as like eight or something. Mm-hmm. It's not great. They do a lockdown drill because parents show up, and the entire yeah. camp goes through a very silly sort of henchin sequence where they transform from spy camp into normal camp uh-huh and because because the the in spy camp mode there's like a bunch of like satellite dishes and a, a rocket missile silo <laughs> and uh, a submarine a, a submarine and like bomb defusal training probably they very explicitly make a point to not give the kids guns because it's a kids movie yeah. But I imagine there was probably just off screen a shooting range. Of course. Where these kids were getting used to firing M16s. Yeah. And the guy in charge of it, um, obvious villain guy, who yeah. looked, he looked so familiar, but I couldn't place who he was. He just has that vibe of, like, this is a downturn in my career and I'm kind of just going through the motions as an actor. I mean, yeah, he gets to, like, yell at kids. Um, yeah. (laughs) I, okay, I don't know if this was a thing for you, probably not, but I did spend the first probably 35 minutes of the movie trying to figure out if the various villains were played by the same actor. Oh god, they're all so similar looking. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if they were, like, supposed to be brothers or something? I don't know. I I don't think so. Because the one like, guy is, like, what's-his-fuck Diaz. Maybe they were separated at birth. And the other dude is, like, Italian or something. There's at least one British man. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's very... It's a... They just... They need to stop going to... Professor Oreo's school for ovoid boys as oh, their default. Oh, this was default. an extremely god like a couple of fucking this. Yeah, even Frankie Muniz kind of has an ovoid face. Yeah, this is this is like somebody somebody traced an egg and <laughs> and they used that as the casting uh, call. Somebody traced an egg. <laughs> Oh my god, and then, uh, so, Cody has, like, a nail clipper on his belt or something like that. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be his, like, Swiss Army knife, because he's too poor to afford one, his parents won't buy him one or something. Or he's, like, 13 and his parents don't trust him with knives, so they take away the toenail clippers, because you could hurt, he could hurt himself with a knife. Yeah. It's like, the, the... Parents, as with most children's movies where there's some sort of secret being kept from the parents, I think it's predicated on the notion of adult incompetence. Yes, for sure. I mean, there's that's the only reason the CIA would send a teenager on an extremely important espionage mission. Right, because 
so many adults are just tired from having to work all day that they don't and notice when a kid has become a secret agent. Yeah, and they're, you know, incredibly incompetent in general and clueless and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is this is made especially clear when the helicopter guys attack the camp mm-hmm. and like get beat up by a bunch of children who are like hiding under tables and tying their shoes together and shit. Like Yep, it's very these, these helicopter men have the observational and combat skills of a dehydrated carrot. <laughs> They're like, it's, especially if the carrot's been left in the fridge and out for too long and it gets all, like, yeah, soft and wrinkly. Yeah, that's these guys. Okay, that checks out. Um, <laughs> you should put your carrots in a root cellar if you have one. They keep longer that way. I don't. I know, we I live just... in apartments, we don't have access to root cellars. I mean, I live in a house, there's no oh. basement, but... Yeah, um... if you don't have a basement, you don't have a root cellar. Yeah. I just e- eat them fast. The carrots? Yeah. That's fair. Um, if you're growing carrots, you should have a root cellar. And you can actually build a uh, makeshift root cellar out of a igloo cooler. Okay. And a box fan. Or a PC fan, if you're feeling saucy. Ooh. Um, you cut a hole into the cooler with the fan blowing air out of the root cellar. Honestly, this is PC culture gone too far. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, but, do we want to go back to this movie so we don't have a- another episode where we don't talk about the movie for most of the episode? <laughs> but I, I so don't want to talk about this movie. It's awful. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> The, the, there's, there's the instructor guy who, like, tries to escape in a helicopter, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, Cody, um, I'm assists assuming him in doing so. Cody. Yes. Well, like, yeah, assists him in doing so, and then realizes he's bad man, and, like, ties his helicopter to a few things to try uh, to okay, stop him so from getting away. I think you might have gotten ovoid void there. Oh, oh. Really? Because there were two helicopters. Cody lets the bad guy get away because he's the camp counselor and he trusts oh, him for some reason. Even... <clears throat> and I then... Have confe- I have a confession to make. Yeah? Um, my brain is broken. And for the first two and a half minutes movie of this movie, I did have the sound on and just sort of didn't process it. <laughs> That there was sound because I'm so used to doing this fucking podcast that I didn't even hear it until the instructor guy was was yelling at Cody and said something about how like trust is weakness or something like that. And I was like, well, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be hearing this. Oh, good God. Um. So he's, he's like, he even tells Cody that he shouldn't trust anyone. And what does Cody do? He fucking trusts the guy. What an absolute loser. Okay, so I also have a confession. Uh Um, I cheated a little bit at the end because I saw there was a musical number. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, I listened to these weird kids do an orchestral version of uh, 
war parentheses, what is it good for? Uh, and mm-hmm. <laughs> how'd that go? Oh boy. I mean, like, so, I can't uh, but, blame yeah, you. Yeah, no, like, like, um, the one, the, the kid singing had a real thick German accent that I don't think was his natal accent. There's no way. I think he's probably just, hey kid, can you do a German accent? And the kid was like, oh yeah, I could do a German accent, of course. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I think that's probably better than his German accent, what you did right there. Uh, So yeah, he does saying, war parentheses, what is it good for? In front of the Queen and Tony Blair. Which is Uh, a cool move in general, but you you gotta nail the music. Yeah, but, but at the same time, like, you know, Mr. Iraq War himself, Tony Blair... It's a pretty powerful political statement for these kids to make, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so let's rewind back to camp. Um, Keith David shows up and takes him to a CIA bunker that's under the camp. Yeah. Because there's secrets at the secret camp. It visually, it kind of looks like um, they cleared out a terminal of the Atlanta airport. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was gonna say it visually it looks a little bit like they just reused the set from Men in Black. Kind of. Yeah. It's that very sterile sort of fluorescent bright fluorescent lit, like whatever bullshit kind of um secret office that spies or in the case of the men in black, um extra governmental officials Yeah sort of hide in and do their wet works from it i I don't know i can't tell you why but it it gave me airport vibes so hard i mean like i could see that i've been in a bunch of airports over the last half decade um and yeah it 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 screamed airport terminal to me what if it was secretly underneath denver airport what if it was have you ever seen those and Urbex the camp videos? Was of... like in the middle of the airport. Yeah, like you had to rub the horse's shaft in order to get in. <laughs> I don't know why no one's tried that yet. Um, surely someone has. I, I don't know. <laughs> they just like we don't hear about it because they get men in black. Oh, okay. Yep, that makes sense. They get their memory yeah. erased and sent home with a complimentary. Uh, replica horse dick. Yeah, like, congratulations, you stroked it, um, here's your trophy. Yeah, I mean, I'd take that trophy. I mean, yeah, it's a trophy, What? A- and it's not a trophy many people have. And, like, it's made out of metal, so it's body safe. <laughs> uh- <laughs> And, like, probably slightly yeah. more ethically sourced than a bat dragon. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If Is it better to get a horse dick from bat dragon or the CIA? I mean, either way, you're kind of supporting Nazis, so... Yeah. It's really I guess, a lose-lose. Um, I don't know. Use an independent shop, like uh, Batty Bite Toys, which is run by a trans man. There you go. I'm gonna take notes. There's a 
There's a whole master list of bad dragon alternatives that floats around Tumblr every once in a while. I'll see if I can find it. Uh, <laughs> but um, there's a there's a pretty decent selection of uh, available options where you don't have to support bad dragon. And I know that my father-in-law listens to this. I'm going to ask that you don't Google this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, you're an adult. I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. Um, we're, we're a sex positive family. Good. It happens. Um, okay. So they demo like attack beanie babies at one point in this airplane, in this airport yeah, terminal. They appeared to be like semi sentient beanie babies. Mm-hmm. And they attack the guy. Mm-hmm. After he tries to show them off as like, oh, these are so cool robot beanie babies, and they don't do anything. And then after Frankie Muniz leaves, the guy's like, hey, what the fuck, dude? And the beanie baby's like, hey, fuck you, and jumps on his face. Yeah, that was it. Was very it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um. And then he has a bandaid on his face for the next scene. So like, they did some good continuity continuity there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so they're, they, they have to track down this guy that was the camp counselor, but actually he's a bad guy who, um, he's, he's working on mind control tech. Yes. Did you pause and read all of the, um, uh, informational screens? did not care to. (laughs) First of all, they were riddled with typos. (laughs) <laughs> which is just a level of carelessness really emblematic of this movie. I have a feeling peop- the the people who made this movie expected like kids to watch it in theaters and yeah. then nobody to ever think about watching it ever again. Did this hit theaters? This feels like a direct-to-video. I have no idea. I have no context for this movie. This, there's no way this is not a direct-to-DVD horse shit. I'm pretty sure it was a theatrical release. Jesus because it does... Ha- the Wikipedia page does have a theatrical release poster. And... Mm. It... How barely made back its budget. <laughs> I... That's honestly better than I would have expected it to do. A box of 28.8 million, budget of 26 million. Damn. (sighs) Damn. Yeah. (sighs) So, um, did you recognize the British girl love interest at all? Nope. Okay, because, um, she was a original member of... S Club 7? Really? Really. Okay. Alright. Uh, she has since left it. the band, and which is why they're just performing as S Club now. <laughs> but yeah. Um, this club. Yeah, she was a member of S Club 7 from 1998 to, um, I guess, 2003 when the band disbanded. And then um, she came back when they reunited. And then um, the band broke up again because one of the members died. Oh. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. 
r- real fascinating S Club history here. And this is also like one of her first acting roles. How many more did she get? Um, film or television? Yes. Okay. So five more television roles up to 2018. Um, and then she was a regular on EastEnders from 2017 to 2018. Okay. Um, hasn't really acted since 2018. And that is likely because she is busy being a mom. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Which, you know, you, you, you can respect that. She made her men- yeah. she made her money off of the S Club stuff and gets to spend time with her kids. Isn't that I would, I would like too. the dream? That's, that is the dream. Uh, okay. So after reading all of this bullshit, um, Cody discovers that his camp director was a bad guy all along. Yeah. A who, rogue CIA who could agent. Have foreseen this. Go figure. Um, so then he has to go to England to stop him. Yeah. And he has to... This was a choice where they are sending an, an undercover agent who is known personally by the person they are trying to target. And that seems... Uh, that's... Why Why would you do that? Um... They don't even give him, like, a mustache. No, they really don't. It's just him. It's just there. It's just yeah, him. Yeah, it's just him as a guy. And so, their, like, this is... Their security <laughs> is absolutely appalling. It's a running theme through this movie, is that this version of the CIA just has the most dog shit opsec i've ever seen yeah no and again the adults are completely incompetent um like anthony anderson is um pretending to be the chef at the school that cody ends up going to for gifted orchestral whatever kids um and he's so he he doesn't know how to cook at all yeah and (laughs) and they sent him undercover as a professional chef yeah. Now, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it feels like if you're putting gu- if you're putting people undercover, you teach Cody how the fuck to play the clarinet. No, why would and you, you do teach that? Anthony when you can just Anderson give him how the to clarinet that plays itself, but only knows like one song. Yeah. Yeah, it's very. It's interesting, um, and by interesting, I mean bad. Yeah. So I have a, I do have a theory since we should talk about theories given the name of the podcast. Okay. Um. So my theory is that the bad guy is looking to use the knowledge he gained from perfecting the techniques of MK Ultra to mind control the population and take over the world. Mm-hmm. That and seems... in order to yeah, in order to do so, he's working on miniaturizing the technology and the first step is replacing people's teeth with a transceiver that they have in their mouth that connects directly yeah. to their brain and they can but, operate that body using a joystick and keyboard using a mad cat's controller <laughs> yes um now i think this is phase one of the project when they should they not have been thwarted would have moved to phase two which is an injectable nanobot. Okay. Um, now, that injectable nanobot would be 
using neck drug as a vector. Oh, shit. It always comes back to this, doesn't it? It does. And now here's the thing, though. Because they are in England. Yes. So... I think they're using the mind control technology to convert trans people be back into, quote, biological people instead of being trans. They're using it as covert conversion therapy. Okay. And Cody, being a trans boy, has to travel to Turf Island to put things right and save future generations of trans people. Okay. I'm gonna... The- not to spoil anything, this... This ties in a little bit with a uh, review I found. Yeah, so the CIA wants him to stop the bad guy to prevent mind control, but Cody has his own agenda, and it's to stop the TERFs. Yeah, okay. That's my theory. I think it's canon. Okay. Um, Now, we do get the British spy gadget scene in this movie. Yeah, with that guy. That guy. That guy. The most British man. Um, the th- this man. He, I'm going to quote Julia Lipetti for a moment to say he strikes me as a pervert. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like I hadn't thought about it until you said it, but oh yeah. He strikes me as a pervert. <sighs> Yeah, no. God damn. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm sorry, I don't mean to spoil things. Remember that German kid who was like, yeah, you could do a German in enough accent. That's good enough, right? Yeah. That was fucking Elfie Allen. Who? Uh, did you watch Game of Thrones? Nope. Do you know the singer Lily Allen? Yes. Okay, uh, he's her brother. <laughs> he was in Game of... He was like a lead actor in Game of Thrones as Theon Greyjoy. Um, like, pretty well-known British actor is what I'm getting at here. Played the German kid and had to sing war parentheses, what is it good for, in a stupid, awful German accent. <laughs> Wonderful. What a what an auspicious What an role. auspicious role. You, you, did, you did real good for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I Aside from this role, I don't think I've seen him in anything that I wouldn't call his work competent. Good, even. Fair. But, like, it's just wild to me that they cast him as a little German boy. Yeah, that's a choice. That's really a choice. And this was pre-Brexit. They could have gotten an actual German boy. Yeah, he could have said, um, Ich trinken Cola und sage Fortnite. Yippee! I love that little German kid. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, okay, I need to apologize to our listeners. Um, very frequently on this podcast... Uh, hold on, let's frame this as a YouTube apology. Okay. Okay. Begin. I gotta sit and sigh first. Yeah. <sighs> listeners, I fucked up. And I'm I'm incredibly sorry. Um, for the last last three years on this podcast I have been making consistent references to Tumblr memes. I recognize now that that is cringe and I just hope I hope that you can accept I hope that you can accept my apology I promise I will do better and 
I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now that the above... <laughs> uh, good, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on out on YouTube. Um, the, the YouTube that this show definitely has. For sure. <laughs> there is a SSS Media YouTube channel. Although that is changing because we're rebranding. Sorry, this is how you find out that we're rebranding. Um, it's no longer going to be SSS Media. We're rebranding to Danger Square Media. Alright. It functionally makes no difference to you. Yeah. It's just renaming the production company for the purposes of um, SEO, mostly. That's fair. So anyway, um, there's this scene with Q, the high-key pervert, but not in a cool way. Yeah, not not in a cool way. Um, uh, I had a moment during this scene where I said, I truly did not think it was possible to be racist ag- against white British people, but this movie <laughs> has done it. <laughs> he... he- he goes like full Willy Wonka about his gadgets. Right. It's very whimsical. But like in a way that caricaturizes Britishness to the point of Yes. Being like a little bit racist. He's like showing off his shit like with a fucking cup of tea in his hands. And he's, like, lapping up the tea like a fucking perverted dog. It's like, dude, just drink your tea. Yeah. Um, Okay. At one point, I also have in my notes, one of these British freaks has to be named something like George Gobbly Noblington. (laughs) And, like, I'm just gonna assume one of them has that sort of a name. Um... Like, yeah, there's, I think, yeah, yeah, like, it's either that or, like, like, Pippin Potts. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wonder if they avoided, despite all of the other stereotyping, avoided explicitly doing, like, overly engineered British names. There's no way they didn't avoid that. No, like, wait, no, there's no way they avoided that. They had to have. This is we'll, we'll we'll see when we read the when we read through the uh when we read through the cast list and the characters' names we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> slightly concerned that it was a little bit too serious. <laughs> they, no, they they can't have gone serious with this. There's no way. Okay, so um, I did. I'm gonna just. There's um. So the guy, the guy who played the. Um, like the Q character. I looked mm-hmm. up the actor. That yeah. actor has a uh, long-running character named Dennis Penis. <laughs> Do you think he's just playing that character in this movie? God, no. I think that character might have actually been funny. Um, for example, in an interview when with Steve Martin, he asked, how come you're not funny anymore? Which caused Steve Martin to cancel all subsequent press interviews for that press tour. That was that guy? <laughs> yes! I heard about that happening. I, I, I've heard of that Dennis event Penis. before. What the fuck? You're welcome. <laughs> Connections are lighting up in my brain. 
<clears throat> yep. That's, uh... Uh, one time he, when he interviewed Kevin Costner, he started insulting Kevin Costner as the character does, and Kevin Costner started insulting him back, uh, clearly catching on to the bit, while others very clearly do not catch on to the bit. <laughs> that's that's good. Um, and for all of the bad things you could say about Kevin Costner's movie choices, um, at least he could take a joke. There you go. If you can take a um, joke, you can take a dick. That's what I always say. Uh, yeah, you can take a role in Waterworld, you can take a joke. <laughs> uh, Jack Black, also famously in Waterworld. Really? I've never seen yes. Waterworld. Oh my god. Yeah, it's one of his like earliest movie roles, and he plays Smoker Plane Pilot. Smoker... <laughs> uh, Surely smokers that was are a right. placeholder name that somebody forgot to actually fill in with an no, actual god, name, No, god, no, the right? character doesn't have any lines. It's just very obviously Jack Black. Mm. Okay. Um, Kevin Costner and Dennis Hopper, both delightful in that movie. It's a... I liked Waterworld. I don't get why people hate Waterworld. Like, maybe this is my Super Mario Brothers movie. But like I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for Waterworld as being a not as bad as everyone says it is sort of a movie. Okay, I mean maybe we uh, I guess we can't do it for the movie for the for the podcast. No, we really can't. Um, okay, so he goes to this musical school. He doesn't know how to music. Um, it's a yeah. The uh, he he ends up discovering that the head of the music school is also part of the conspiracy to detransition all yeah. extant trans people via neck drug. Yeah. Um and 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 they are they like using music to enhance the effect? Maybe or like maybe the purpose of the music is that if you can mind control someone well enough that they can still play the instrument via the uh, Mad Cats controller, mm -hmm. then you've perfected the technology enough to start working on miniaturization after, like, the technical development, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, now, there is There's a chase because Cody breaks into, like, a lab to, uh, in effect, discover this nanotechnology, this tooth tech, Christ, As it that, still is. I almost forgot about that fucking whole scene. Jesus God. There's, yeah, there's a whole chase where uh, the bad guy keeps shooting at Cody through the streets of London with a rocket gun, and that then is a Cody gets arrested. It's a secret flashlight rocket launcher. Yes, Cody gets arrested by by the by the Metropolitan Police Service yes. who um as we all know are above reproach and definitely not awful. Yeah, obviously. Um yeah, in 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 this podcast we do not support any police, but least of all the Metropolitan Police because no. fuck those guys. Fuck them. Um so Cody gets gets brought to Scotland Yard where it turns out that one of the other students at the music conservatory is, surprise of surprises, also a spy. Yeah. But a British one, and therefore a bit more competent. And a girl. Well, I mean, yeah. Which means she can be a love interest. Yes. Um, so they go out to get to know each other, and 
She goes to buy drinks, and then some henchmen sneak up on Cody and knock him unconscious, and then implant him with the microchip. Yeah. Then, using the microchip, they have Cody go and capture the CIA director, played by Keith David, who they then implant another microchip in. Yeah, they, they're they microchipping up, like, all of the, like... Yeah, I, like, I think World everyone from the stuff. G7. Yeah, yeah, because there's, like, this, there's a newspaper thing about, like, world leaders gathering thing, and they're chipping people up there. Yeah, they're trying... Now, I I didn't notice it, but um, I didn't quite see a Canadian flag there. Mm. And it's not the G7 without Canada. I mean, yeah, then it's just the G6, and we know how that goes. I think... I didn't see them flying. Fairly, yeah. Um, so. certainly not. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the, the G7 is Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, the US, and then also a eighth representative of the EU at large. So it's actually the G8. No, because the G8 is a different thing. The G8 includes Russia. Okay. All right. Uh, from which it has been suspended after the annexation of Crimea. <sighs> good um so the so g8 is now the g7 we're working again. with the g7 this is the um semi-automatic marksman rifle semi-automatic marksman rifle from apex legends uh-huh uh and i'm not sure what their plan for it is like it's a it's a good if... gun like don't get me wrong i like it especially if you have a double tap trigger um but I'm not sure what it has to do with mind control. Hmm. Maybe they're working on like a remote delivery for the um, <clears throat> the the teeth. We'll call it the chip and pip because it's British. Um, and so they're chip, like chip cheerio. <laughs> they're working on a gun that can fire a tooth into someone's mouth from a distance. Interesting. Uh, yeah, there's, like, a bunch of stuff that happens. I think they go to Buckingham Palace. Yeah, that's where the... Is that where the meeting is? Where, yeah, that's where the G7 meeting is. Um, uh, they destroy a bunch of priceless artifacts that the British monarchy stole. Yeah. <clears throat> in a climactic fight after Cody and the CIA director have been freed from mind control. Um... The, the part with the performance of war, parentheses, what is it good for, close parentheses, happens to distract everyone while Cody fights the bad guy, defeats him. They, um, they and like, de-chip people by kicking them in the mouth and stuff. Yes. Um, and then, as it turns out, the apparently senile blind butler... Oh, yeah, that guy. I ...was actually him. a spy. I called that he was well in advance of the end of this movie. Best character in this movie. Easily. Um, it turns out that he is um, Girl Spy's handler. Okay. I didn't pick up on that at all. That's... Well, I mean, like, it's... But, like, by You that, know, you embed time, the handler with the spy, you know? Yeah. By that point in the movie, I was desperate to not be watching the movie... Oh, same. So, like, I really wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, this is relevant to the end of the movie, I think. But there's an ongoing bit with these explosive Mentos. Yeah. 
where you you lick them and then they explode. Mm-hmm. Now, this is like there's this thing that happens where at the end of the movie, Cody and his parents are leaving camp at the end of the summer, and then an explosion happens in the lake. Yeah, and I have to imagine that they paid they paid off the stupid explosive Mentos by having like Cody's brother try to eat one and Cody throws it out the window into the lake and then that's how the movie ends. Oh, I see. Yeah. I yeah, okay. Cuz they also um, paid it off by using a small section of one to explode the chip in Cody's mouth to demind control yes. him. Yes. Which uh wild. <laughs> that's a choice. Um so I have in my notes here. Is this over yet? Was this movie supposed to be cool? Was this cool in the 2000s? Is this what the Zoomers are nostalgic for? Is that what I was like with the 80s? Good God. Um, okay. I guess I need to end things. I mean, and that I was guess the end of the I, movie. I really don't have any way to complain about that because I have been watching through 65 episodes of the worst fucking cartoon on the planet from the 80s that I absolutely loved as a child. Dinosaur Great War Eisenborg? Uh, the Centurions. Oh, okay, not Dinosaur Great War Eisenborg. I wish. (laughs) I wish. Oh, good god, this looks absolutely awful. (laughs) Is there an orangutan? Yes. Her name is Lucy, and she lives on the space station with Crystal, and mostly just sort of breaks shit and causes havoc. But she's Good very, for her. she's like a, she's like a enhanced, like she's super smart. If I was super smart and also a captive, I would also destroy things. Yeah, yeah, she's like constantly trying to get the space station lady to play and like breaking the controls on of of the the ship <laughs> good for her yeah <clears throat> at one point she is um mind controlled and given cyborg powers by the the uh bad guy doc terror mm-hmm. um to help to and she helps take over uh sky vault the the satellite that beams down their assault weapon systems that plug into their little suit pegs um it's <laughs> it's it's incredibly cheesy and bad and deeply racist in so many episodes. <laughs> but I can't yeah, stop watching that, it. That sounds like an 80s cartoon. Yeah. Hello, listeners. It's Kat with this week's mid-roll announcements. We don't have anything to promote for personal projects this week. So instead, let me tell you about Party of One and my good friend Jeff Stormer. Party of One podcast is an actual play podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. Jeff and a guest, usually from within the indie TTRPG sphere, sit down and engage with an RPG and indulge in the kind of deeply personal storytelling and world building that comes with the intimacy of one-on-one gameplay. If you're looking for an episode to start with, you can check out the episode I was on where we played my game Call It in the Ring. If wrestling isn't your speed and you crave messy drama, you can check out Clicks and Hums and Sirens in the Sun, where Jeff and our mutual friend Steph played a game so good that the game designer was inspired to republish the game after having delisted it for a number of years. And if that's not your speed, you can check out the family-friendly episode where Jeff and Moxie Buttercup sit down to play The Excellence. There's truly a Party of One episode for all tastes and preferences, so go ahead and check it out. 
You can find Party of One wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to interact with Kira and me on social media, you can follow me on Tumblr at zaftycat.tumblr.com and Kira on her Tumblr, sapphire-mess.tumblr.com. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or your CIA spy handler when you're a child spy. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via tweet or Tumblr message, and you get a shout-out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us. So please do consider that support. No dollar amount is too small. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let past me and Kira get back to defeating the turfs via neck drug. Cue the VCR sound. Do we want to hear the summary of this movie? Let's do it. Okay, Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London, is a 2004 American action comedy buddy film and the sequel to 2003's Agent Cody Banks. Directed by Kevin Allen and written by Don Reimer, the film stars Frankie Muniz, Anthony Anderson, Hannah Spirit, and Keith David. The film takes place in London with Cody and his buffoonish adult partner Derek trying to recover stolen software and stop the activation of the government's mind control project. Uh, Agent Cody Banks attends a summer camp, actually a secret facility for training CIA teenage agents. Insane. When a group of CIA soldiers attempts to abduct head counselor Victor Diaz, Cody helps him escape, mistaking the CIA operation for a training exercise. The director informs Cody that Diaz stole discs containing plans for a secret mind control device and sends Cody to recapture him. Again, insane. Yeah, truly unhinged decision. Are there no adult agents that can do this? Apparently not. And and there are adult agents working on the case. There's the two guys that Cody works with, but they are again completely incompetent. He shows yes. up at the at the fucking airport and the guy has like Cody Banks with the CIA on a little placard for him looking for him. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. Um, in the United Kingdom, Cody poses as a summer orchestra student at the Kenworth estate to spy on owner Lord Duncan Kenworth, suspected of working with Diaz, supported by his handler Derek, and Kumar, Derek's right-hand man, who are disguised as a chef hired by Lady Josephine Kenworth and a taxi driver, respectively. Whilst keeping his mission a secret from his fellow students, Cody sneaks around the estate and confirms that Diaz and Duncan are working together and that they have a working prototype of the mind control device, evidenced when Duncan makes a dog serve drinks and play the piano. Uh, now, we did skip over we this. We did but skip he, over the dog. He does use his grappling hook incorrectly to rappel down a chimney. Yeah. It, it's weird. Yeah, and then he has the a little day, like, extendo camera from his watch. Yeah. It's bizarre. The next day, Cody breaks into a lab owned by Duncan where he sees the finished device, a microchip inserted as a filling into a tooth cavity by dentist Santiago. Shortly afterward, Cody and Derek chase Diaz armed with a rocket gun through the 
streets of London, but Cody is captured by the Metropolitan Police Service and taken to Scotland Yard. He's later freed by Emily, parentheses Hannah Spirit, a fellow student who, similar to Cody, is actually a British Scotland Yard undercover operative. While Emily buys coffee and soda, henchmen sneak up on Cody, knocking him unconscious and drugging him with spray. Just spray. (laughs) Yes. They capture him and implant him with the microchip. Under Duncan, Santiago, and Diaz's influence, Cody meets the CIA director on a London bus, who is then also converted. Unknown to them, I told you, conversion therapy. It's, uh, it's unknown to them together. and Cody. This is witnessed by Emily from a bus in front. Verbatim, Emily then explains things to Derek that the director alongside Cody is both converted and that they need to get the microchip out of Cody. I'm considering editing this Wikipedia article to fix that no, sentence. I think that is in in universe because that is about the level that the like information briefs they gave Cody in the secret base were. That's that's about the level those were written at. Okay, Jesus. I okay. after knocking out <laughs> after knocking out Cody by elbowing him in the face, Dark carefully cuts up one of Cody's gadgets, exploding Mentos mints, into a precisely minuscule amount to safely remove it. Insane. The group later realizes DS's plan to implant all of the world leaders who are in London for a G7 summit at Buckingham Palace, effectively giving him control of the world. He tries to do something to stop him. He who? Oh, Fucking pronoun boy over here. <laughs> to quote Jim Ross. Uh, he tries to do something to stop him from controlling the world, including London, but constantly fa- mm. This might be written by the film's writers. Yep. Don Reimer. Screenplay by Don Reimer, who also wrote Big Mama's House, The Santa Claus 2, 2005 remake of The Honeymooners, oh, no. Deck the Halls, starring Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick, and surfs up so um don reimer i can't be too mean to you because you did die in 2012 but good god man yeah he's he's gotta do better okay continuing deducing that the cia director under diaz's uh, deducing that with the cia director under diaz's control they may be put on a most wanted list Cody, Derek, and Emily infiltrate the party before the summit. There, they realize that most of the dignitaries have already been implanted due to bizarre behavior, and Duncan being appointed the director of the Royal Mint by the British Prime Minister. Upon accepting this, Duncan cruelly states to Josephine that he is leaving her. They explain the truth to the other students, who perform for the guests and urge them to keep the world leaders from attending the G7 summit. They later proceed to do so with an impromptu but rousing performance of war, parentheses, what is it good for, close parentheses, accompanied by dancing and clapping from the assembled dignitaries and Queen Elizabeth herself, whilst Cody, Emily, and Derek search for the villains. Derek is implanted with the microchip and set on Cody by Santiago. Before Santiago can kill him, though, sorry, before Santiago can, before Santiago can kill him through Derek, Emily finds and subdues him, disabling... Again, him who? Why would they do that? There's, there's like six hymns that this could be. This is, this is really <laughs> bad. 
Um, before Santiago can kill him through Derek, Emily finds and subdues him. There's... The him is referring to two different people. You can't do that in this... Yeah. Disabling the mind control software and rescuing the U.S. president who was to be implanted. Shortly after, Cody kicks out Derek's micro... Shortly after... Wipeout. Shortly... Shortly after Cody kicks out Derek's microchip, the two of them remove the CIA director's microchip. Diaz, realizing that his plan has failed, attempts to flee, ends up fighting, and being defeated by Cody in the Queen's gift room, destroying a number of priceless artifacts in the process. All of them stolen. Uh, just reiterating that one more time, Clean, all of those artifacts are stolen. Yep. Duncan also attempts to escape, but is tripped by... And here it is. Trivial Jenkins, his apparently senile and blind butler who turns out to be Emily's handler. Duncan is arrested with Diaz and Santiago. After the villains are arrested, Cody and Emily kiss each other on the cheek before Cody sets off to return to America. Both promise to keep in contact. Alongside Cody returning to America as a reward, Derek is also returned to the camp and replaced Diaz as head counselor. Cody's parents pick him up, none the wiser about his dangerous exploits. Alex, Cody's younger brother, tries to eat a few of his explosive mentos, but Cody tosses them into the pond where they explode harmlessly. Ah. Okay, so character names. We obviously know Cody Banks. Uh, we have Derek Bowman, played by Anthony Anderson. Emily Summers, a respectably British name, but not a silly British name. Uh, Victor Diaz, sure. Mr. and Mrs. Banks. Lady Josephine Kensworth. Lord Duncan Kensworth. Um, now, I'm seeing conflicting things. Because in the cast section, David Kelly is credited as Trivial Jenkins. What? Rather than Trivial Jenkins. <laughs> okay. So I think someone might have gotten autocorrected on this summary. And um, I'm going to look at the talk page for this page because... <laughs> We're doing deep research. I want to read the, you um, a, a, a couple paragraphs from the informational briefs Cody receives. One of them is titled, okay. Diaz Using It in a Bad Way. <laughs> <laughs> and it reads, <clears throat> While it is true that some psychoelectronic effects can be produced with older technology, the current day equipment signals are not permanently shieldable and are not repeatedly detectable using conventional electronic equipment. I have experienced decoying, that is, false successes in shielding and detection, so the question as to the actual signal type is very much obscured. The fact that many targeted individuals receive remote manipulation of objects and body parts, sometimes quite forcefully, and to an exceptional degree of accuracy and precision, which could be called directed gravity effects, takes today's classified equipment far beyond the realm of conventional signals. Army researchers, as usual running about five years sorry, as usual running, running about five year behind the CIA, became in interested in the sustained use of LSD as interrogation device during the during 1961 field tests called Operation Third Chance. The army men tested the drug in Europe on nine foreigners and one soldier named Dominic Sidoti, accused of stealing classified documents. While Thornwell was reacting to the drug under extremely stressful conditions, his captors threatened to extend the state indefinitely, even to a condition of permanent insanity. 
<clears throat> and then, and then, then later in a, in one called Global Implications, we we get Diaz's mind control expert, known as the dentist, says he could create a person whom he could control to any extent within one hour. The, the global implications of this are enormous. Diaz could start a war if he gained control of the president. So I think the Wikipedia entry was written by whoever did this. Yeah, that's that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting as well. <laughs> Equal amounts of effort put into both, really. Yeah. <laughs> do you um do you want some reviews? No, but that is part of the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Emily Fairbanks gives it one star and says, I did not appreciate the sexual innuendos and influences in this movie. Very inappropriate for kids. That's like every kid's movie, <laughs> first of all. Yeah. Yeah. R.H. <clears throat> uh, Hardin says, uh, gives it two stars and says, no Bond. There's no citation of any Bond movies in this one, so it's pretty flat and not any fun. Not worth the money. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazon customer gives it two stars and says, might have given it more stars, but I'm giving, but I'm getting too much garbage. I can only see half the screen. The rest are pop-ups and banners. So this, this person rated it two stars because they have various viruses. Uh, uh, <laughs> this, this movie is at this point causing me physical pain. It really, yeah. <clears throat> Amazon customer gives it two stars and titles the review two and a half stars. And it reads, Okay, okay, no need for a deep analysis with big words. We know what it is and we know what we're in for. A teenage copcom that is just for a bit of light entertainment. Cody Banks is a run-of-the-mill teenage heroine. The story is standard Hollywood, though a bit is a bit interesting. Hannah Spirit has Are they misgendering Cody? Yes. <laughs> has a paltry role that seems mainly to serve the purpose of having a pretty girl in the movie. However, some of the side actors are quite interesting, especially wisecracking Derek and the multicultural music group Cody studies with in England. So even so, <laughs> the... This ties in with the 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 Yeah. Yeah. This person must be working alongside... I don't remember what the guy's name was. Diaz? Diaz, yeah. Diaz nuts. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking... I'm gonna bite you. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline DiRocco gives four stars. And says, great graphics, the new spy tools are so cool, and I wish that I could use them. Watch this movie. None of them are that cool. No, no they're really not. <laughs> Lamont gives it four stars and says, I would highly suggest this movie to anyone with children 15 and under. Can you imagine a 14-year-old enjoying this movie? I can't imagine a 14-year-old would enjoy this movie. No. No, absolutely not. This next one, it says it's written by Amazon customer, but I think it was actually written by uh, Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery. Because it's titled A Good Feel Good Laugh Generator. And it reads, 
this was the 45th time I have watched this movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it, it helped provide laughs when I was sick with the flu without requiring a lot of thought or focus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, boy. 45 times. There's such a thing as too many times. That's, that's almost 90 hours of Agent Cody Banks, too. How bad does your <laughs> flu have to be? <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh my god. Uh, Paul I gives it four stars and says, Why widescreen? <laughs> Sorry, I love the way that you just, you just, like, no-sold going into that. Why widescreen? <laughs> this movie is a good movie. I rated it four stars, though, because it's widescreen. I don't know why they made it that way. I always like full screen. I don't mind if widescreen comes out on DVD, but I don't like it on VHS. I bet when they showed this movie at the movies, it was full screen. That's what I like better. I don't know why they made it that way. What? (laughs) The first movie is full screen, but now as for the second one, they made it widescreen. (laughs) But, But if you keep on watching the movie, you'll forget about the way you see it. This movie is great, though, and it takes place in London, England, and it's about this guy Diaz, who is like a dentist, but he has micro—he has this microchip, and he puts people to sleep with this spray, and then he puts his microchip into people's teeth, and Diaz controls the people by the control from the microchip. Meanwhile, the original agent Cody Banks has to put a stop to this, and he has two new partners, Derek and Emily. And although this movie says it has gadgets, it really doesn't. They show just one gadget, and that's it. But this is a pretty good movie, and it's almost better than the first. I don't plan on watching the first. No, absolutely not. No, there's no way. In fact, I think it's better that we don't. Yeah. But also, like, if I hated myself more, I would suggest this as a a worst idea of all time. (laughs) Have you been listening to the latest version? The latest? I haven't, no. You have to. They're doing the Fast and the Furious. Like the original? The whole series. They started with nine, and they watched it nine times, and then they watched eight, eight times, and then they watched seven, seven times, and so on. They will continue like this until they get to one. Ah, yes, I see that they are on Fast 6 as of the end of June. Yes. That's the one with Gal Gadot, right? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Dude, I... Okay. Not 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 putting spoilers out there for um, Fast 10, but also putting spoilers out there for Fast 10. Fast forward, like, a minute if you don't care about Fast... If you, if you care about Fast 10 spoilers. I'm so, so incredibly frustrated by the fact that nobody in that fucking franchise can stay dead. <laughs> Yeah. Except a character who is canonically alive because they can't recast Paul Walker. And, like, I'm deeply worried that when Fast 11 comes out, they will create an AI CG Paul Walker for that movie. Oh, they've discussed this extensively in in Worst Idea. 
Um, anyway, I just think it's bullshit that Gal Gadot got to come back in a submarine because she was the least interesting part of the family. Oh, she was there. She made Han. No, she made Han worse. Mm. And that's unforgivable because Han is the best character in that series. I have never seen the movies except for the one that we watched, and I did think that person's name was Harn because of the accent of the voice. It's, no, his his full name, as per Tokyo Drift, is Han Sol O. Okay. Does that, Seth, does that make you like or hate these movies more? Seth N172 gives <laughs> Agent Cody Banks 2 five stars and titles the review Destination London with like 15 exclamation marks. Mm-hmm. My family and I saw this movie in the theater in March of 2004. While they liked the first one much better, I actually liked this one. Yes. It's not just more England-friendly. The last one was rated 12, PG-13 here, over in the UK. But this one was rated PG in the UK without cuts. But it takes place in the greatest place in the universe, London! Even in that part where Banks and his big friend were standing below the north end of the Millennium Bridge, I've actually stood there! I recognized the Kenworth Industries building. It's the Tate Modern Museum! I've been there too! Oh, I only I've wish I could see Tate this Modern. movie again, especially on DVD too. God bless Britain, the Union Jack's colors will never bleed. Uh, this guy's like real horny for London. Re- reviewed in the United States. This is the biggest Tiaboo I have ever seen. For real. And like, you know, I've met some pretty big Tiaboos up here in Canada. <laughs> but like... Jesus Christ. Good lord, London, best place on earth. I wish I could go to the Tate Modern again. I would cream my pants if I got to see another Rothko painting. Like, fuck uh, off. Uh, I have one last review. You could go to... There's, there's, there's places in the US and Canada that you could go if you want to see a fucking Rothko. <laughs> but it's not London. I have one last review, and... It is if you're in London, Ontario. True. Um, okay, last, last review, review. So we can get out of here. I need your help with this one. I can't. Okay. I can't tell if this is like sarcastic. <clears throat> Scott Prather gives it four, five stars and titles the review "Good as Meat and Potatoes," and the review reads: "This movie is incredible. Believable plot." excellent character development, and acting that is so good it's almost scary. <laughs> there were points in the film that I actually wanted to believe that Cody was real, and perhaps he really was saving the world. Would recommend this film to anybody over the age of 13 who has a brain and enjoys a good dramatic adult thriller. Um, <laughs> this really, truly toes the line of parsability. <laughs> I I can't tell. I think this might just be a serious review. I think so. And this was in 2007, which is like, like, the internet was different then. 
Yeah. People were more sincere. 2007 was, like, just at the cusp of when we started to grow irony poisoned. Yeah. I th- like, if you... Um, hold on. Yeah, so this would have been two years before the start of Homestuck, which I think is the definitive turning point of internet culture, wherein we started to wrap ourselves in the garb of irony. Yeah, so this, it, like, it has to be. When we lost the appreciation for lolcats. Oh, no. No, you just made me sad. I mean, okay, but, like, we do, as a culture, reinvent lolcats more or less constantly. (laughs) That's that's true. (laughs) It is an important staple. Mm -hmm. I want to stop thinking about Agent Cody Banks to Destination London. Okay, um, next episode, Agent Cody Banks 1, Destination America. (sighs) I mean, we have to, right? No, we will have, uh, we, no, we don't have to at all. We will do a much more interesting movie for the next episode. (laughs) Yeah, please. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't, except in the times that we did. Because we've both admitted to actually listening to this movie at certain points. On accident, and I didn't notice I was doing it. Incredible. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter, at Unsound Theories, or follow Kat and Kira at ZaftiCat, Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and at Sapphire underscore Mess, respectively. The best way to support the work we do is to tell a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. If you'd like to support our work monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash sosismedia. There you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so much more. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel. You can find this and Chris's other work at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time... Stay wizard. Make sure my levels are good. How are my levels coming through for you? Just fine. Peachy? I, I would say, like, um, nectarine Ooh, what about a plum cot? Those are pretty fucking good, too. I am only thinking about plum cots very specifically because a video from the YouTube channel Pepperoni Baby, which is a trans woman who has made a YouTube channel for her blue tongue skink. Is it named Pepperoni? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I, I see where the name comes from. And uh, yesterday, or today actually, because his birthday is July 4th, Aww. is Pepperoni's 10th birthday, and she fed him, among other things, a plum cut. Oh, what a little guy. Let me let me get the video for you because it's very weird. Like you know how trans women get when they have like a weird pet? Yeah. It's the most delightful thing in the world. Uh-huh. Oh, I love this little man. Right? He's such a weird guy. She does also refer to him as a weird dog at multiple times. <laughs> Which you know, blue tongue skinks are great and weird and 
also kind of stupid in a way that lizards are. And I yeah. love that about them. Love the little dumbasses. I was going to make a joke about Hannah being my weird pet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. You know, um, <laughs> I feel like that is also pretty par for the course with trans women. Yep. Is owning weird pets and also being weird pets. Yeah. We, we got both sides of the spectrum. 